League of Boys, uh, Night Edition. Back to back. Aren't they all? There's not been a not Night Edition of Diego Boys. Yeah, but there's still, I mean, this is a, I mean, this isn't a Poe Boys after, I mean, technically, yes, it's a Poe Boys after dark, but, um, I mean, we were, we were born in the dark, so right. this is kind of something that we thrive in. It is. Um, I mean, it's not really exciting that it's uh, after dark, but this is the first time in a while that we are recording pretty freaking fresh. I just finished <laughs> watching this episode maybe half an hour ago. Yeah. And I we, mean, it came out today. It, as of came out today. We're obviously going to post it a week late like we always do. Yeah, because we, we don't want to spoil stuff. And we don't want our sweet, sweet takes to be taken over by the mainstream media who well, we love sure huge fans of the mainstream media um more th- more than that we know that it, it it's kind of one of these things that's how to um, think of an example you know if if you got like Thelonious monk playing a jazz standard that's like the word on that standard pretty much right and kind of similarly, you know, we are who we are, no big deal, or not big deal, I'm not comparing ourselves to Lonnie Smog or whatever, but it's just like, it has begun to seem pretty apparent that when the Poe boys, currently Diego boys, sling a take, that take does kind of become the take, and it's sort of, I don't know if you've seen Green Planet, sprouts up in a pond, like a big giant lily pad, and suffocates all the sun from the other takes, and... So we like to let everyone else have their fun with their little takes and their little talking and, and kind of foster all that before, you know, we come around with the right answer and, then and stifle that. And, and I'm not trying to say that we're an invasive species like a lily pad. Okay. Um, this is a different kind of lily pad. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm very familiar with lily pads. Yeah, you're familiar with how... boring ones. These ones are, are from the BBC Earth. Oh, these are the ones you can sit on. Sure. Sorry, I'm coming. I'm. It's this is a cool Poe Boys at Night episode, so I, I'm I'm coming at you with the wrong energy. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, fans, Poe heads, Diego heads, uh, Diego announce. Oh, good lord. Um, oh boy. Uh, yeah. Ty- Di- oh, in. hold on, hold on. Yep. I yep, just yep. want to make sure this gets all the play it deserves. Diego heads. Diego. Diego lunatics. Ooh, I don't think you can say that anymore. I don't think it's. I don't think you're. You should be saying lunatic. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah, for sure. I'm um, gonna look it up and I'll get back to you. But type in zeitgeist. It's and... your week to edit, so yeah, I'll let you know if moved... you have to work for a living this week. <laughs> um, if you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your life. And Is that why I'm always working? um yeah so this is one of the freshest of takes that we have um there isn't a lot of background information a lot of times we have some you know there might be something from starwars.com that has some information although we really haven't talked about what the what what they're calling this or the behind the scenes work from starwars.com because they normally do something um they did the rebels recon 
Um, what what was the Clone Wars one? They they did a Clone um, Wars rewatch. It's a classified, but they really haven't. In my humble opinion, they have. Rose Recon was like so fun and one of the heights of my Star Wars fandom. Like watching Rebels Recon every week and Andy Gutierrez and that whole gang. Like so freaking fun. And then they. They never quite, I feel like, gave the same treat. Like, they didn't really do that for Resistance. And then they, they had bucket did something list. for Clone Wars. Yeah, they, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same. Bros. Recon was so good. And then I don't know that they have been doing it for these Disney Plus shows. We've yeah. been doing it. And you um, definitely, and you definitely can't say Lunatic anymore. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And listen, we're fallible just like anybody else the only difference between yes this was actually this is actually training exercise this is a training video that we're doing and that was a scripted and and scene and scene and you were saying pete about after shows all right let's throw in some names for you leonard behaz corporal kimsey commandant j hold behaz (laughs) colonel pedigar Tech Op 1, Tech Op 2, Galley Soldier 2, Galley Soldier 1. I have um, I have sorry, a running that... list. I have a running list on my phone of band names. I've, I think you and I talked about it recently because I think I called somebody a weirdo jock and then I decided that would be a good band name. And the list uh, that you were reading me is sounding so close to my list of band names. It's become almost parody. Um, I was gonna say Doctor Quadpaw, um, but we're gonna get that into can't Quad. be his name. Yep, yep. Well, Dr. I mean Quadpaw. If you got is... Therm Scissor Punch, so yeah, but who imagine... is a guy with his pants? So, but imagine like you're a um, you're a four armed person, mm-hmm. and you're that you're the one person in your species that they're like. Oh, well, he's got four and uh, the paws. Let's call him Quadpaw. Let's call him Quadpaw. Um, what? I, I don't know. Well, maybe it's everyone lo- else's species has four fins. Oh, true. True, true, true. Very true. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get into Quadpaw, Supervisor Lonnie Jung, Supervisor Grandy, Supervisor Blevin. Oh my gosh, there's a Supervisor Blevin. That's so Blevin? Funny. Yeah, uh, there's a Blevin in Star Wars. Oh, oh my gosh! This surprise. I mean, this was a this was a big cast, a big cast um, yeah. today. Yeah, um, for sure. And it. I mean, we Not don't more. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers for the eye. Um, which this is. So we're gonna be doing. I mean, we still got some some uh, some rubber to burn before we get into it, or we could get into it. For we sure. do actually have some rubber to burn, given that if I talk about it next week and that doesn't come, I it needs to I need to discuss it now for it to be even remotely timely. For sure. Um, which is we are of course recording this the day, the day that uh, Andor comes out on Wednesday, which is also uh, New Comic Book Day, and as mentioned last episode, um, there were. Two new Star Wars comic books that came out today that I picked up and I read them both, uh, hoping against hope that we would record today and then I'd be done with it for the week. And lo and behold, here we are. Uh, and they came out with the you, new. 
you're having a great day though. I mean, I don't know how good the I comics great. are, but um, like there's sometimes where you can get overloaded with Star Wars, and you're like, okay, that's that's a little much. But like for me, for my day, um, I, it's this. I'm gonna wear watch Werewolf at um at night by night. You haven't watched it yet. I have not watched it yet. I'm gonna watch it after this. Okay. And then I'm gonna watch. I watch La Brea. Um, season two, episode oh, okay. two. Uh, so, Poboys Podcast at gmail.com <laughs> and uh, Poboys Podcast on Twitter. And we will see you all Bra- next week with a, Bra- new, with a new co host and maybe a second new co host. Are you one of the five people that likes La Brea? In case, <laughs> in case anyone didn't pick up on the fact that I was kidding about how important our takes are and how important our opinion of Star Wars is. I'm glad you reminded them that that was definitely a huge joke. Perhaps Um, more of a joke than I thought. So you were saying that you picked up two um, comics and read them today. So what were those ones? Yes, and I did already put them both away in the closet, so I don't have them at hand to look at to tell you who the art teams on either of them are, but I am going to try and kind of type and talk at the same time. And I got the first issue, which I think may be the only issue after reading it. I don't know if it's an ongoing series or not of a Star Wars Visions comic, right? uh, which is written and penciled by Takashi Okazaki, and it follows the Ronin character from the episode of Star Wars Visions that, I guess, I mean, I would argue, you know, the most iconic, the kind of black and white um, Yojimbo episode. Uh, And it, I mean, without giving anything away, I feel like I read it and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure this is just a single issue. It could be wrong, but I do think if you enjoyed that episode, uh it was really cool i have to say i really enjoyed it and i thought it introduced uh like a pretty cool wrinkle into the you know admittedly limited mythos we have surrounding that kind of nameless ronin character and the art was very much on par with um or like of a style with the episode of visions so if you enjoyed that episode and the coloring and like just the lightsabers being colored and stuff like that and everything else being black and white Definitely would recommend. Well, so also this um, Takashi Okazaki, a couple things that he's done. One that I'm sure you'll be a big fan of. He did the cover art for Werewolf by Night. Um, And then he did Batman Ninja animated movie. And he Mm -hmm. did Afro Afro Samurai. So those are two projects I'm pretty familiar with. I've, I've probably seen half of batman ninja not because it's bad just it showed up at certain points on tv and then i wasn't able to catch all of it but um yeah i i think his his work's good um yeah and it was yeah it was a cool story and it it very much felt in the vein of star wars visions kind of a a more like a truncated self-contained sort of thing so and that was one of your one of the i not to spoil things for 202 um boys that we covered Star Wars Visions, but I, correct me if I'm wrong, this was one of the stories that you were um, a bigger fan of than some of the other stories. Yeah, for sure. Did we have... Did Two Two Boys have a theme song? Or did we just do the no. Poe Boys theme song? Yeah, we that just, sounds we, right. We just did the Poe Boys. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so we did that, and I... Yeah, and then the other one that came out uh, was Star Wars High Republic number one, 
not to be confused with the old Star Wars High Republic number one that came out, what, in 2019, 2020, whenever the first volume, whenever High Republic first started. Yeah. Uh, Still written by Kevin Scott with art by Ario Anandito and Andrea Bricardo. And this is... To my knowledge, unless there's a book out already, and I don't think, well, that first young adult book may have come out or whatever, but this is the first I'm encountering of this new prequel High Republic era that takes place 100 years prior to the books we've read. And again, I'm not trying to give too much away. Uh, I will say, found myself pleasantly surprised at how excited I was to be back in that era, even without any kind of familiar characters. And I guess my like, interesting, the thing I would tell people to be like, if this is interesting to you, check this book out or not would be that it takes place on Jetta. And at the time oh, of the story, Jetta. And at, the, at the time of the story, there's like a coalition of different force users that include Jedi, but also include like a bunch of other essentially religions and force users and people with different uh, abilities and beliefs about the force. And they're trying to like make peace with each other in the Holy city of Jeddah. Oh, and that's, that's really sort cool. of the backdrop for this particular book. So I'm not, I'm probably not going to get it month to month, but I'll probably check out the, the trade paperback when that comes out. And it, it has me uh, excited to get back to reading high Republic books, which is, Traditionally, something I'm kind of middling on because it's just not the avenue my fandom tends to take. But it, it does have me excited to be back in that kind of like open frontier of the past. And the opening crawl of the issue does very much paint like this is an era of exploration where even the like wild territories that we see in the High Republic books we read so far are vastly less settled and like communication is way worse and it's very much like a wild west i guess like setting out into the unknown star trekky sort of vibe the opening crawl is in any way so a lot of potential there yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense too for the description in the main storyline high republic that they've explained Mm because they you know talk about where they're at technology technologically in a technological sense. And then there's some characters that were down there. I'm actually surprised and maybe I'm wrong on this, um, but kudos to the high Republic for not bringing in one of the like four old Jedi and then just showing them because you know, they do that with Yoda. They do that with Yariel Poof. Um, I assume at some point they're going to do that with Yaddle. And then there's um, that um, detective Jedi that was in Obi-Wan um, in that mausoleum, I forget what their name is, but I feel like they tend to use them as a crutch of explaining those characters to kind of. Oh, the um, guy from Lightsaber Lost. Yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah, he was he was in the that mausoleum, right? Um, in uh in the Obi Wan series, but um, yeah, you'd you'd think that they would do that, and uh, maybe they did. It was just wasn't a, a noteworthy thing, but um. I'm I'm down for it. I'm I'm a big fan of the High Republic. I I I look forward to at some point seeing your collection of comics and uh, taking a, a look at some of those High Republic series. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then I think like next week, I think there's like some trades coming out of Greg Pak's ongoing Darth Vader series, and I'll be checking that out and stuff. So there's Star Wars is is slowly trickling more and more back into my diet. 
but that's all sort of um those are all sorts of sort of snacks as opposed to like what feels like I just got like an injection, not even of like a, a liquid, like an injection of protein powder into my heart from this most recent episode. This is quite a meal. Um, yeah, let's get into it. So this is episode six, the eye halfway is, through now we're halfway through. And this is, so the first six episodes we had one through three. Um, and that was just like one defined storyline. You know, we talked about how that should just have been one episode and mm-hmm. then one through three here, which probably should be just a movie in, in and of itself. I mean, I got to tell you, there's moments in this episode when I really felt, and I'm like, I'm not Christopher Nolan. I'm not trying to, you know, have this sort of, you know, it's a theater or bust. It's, it's film stock or bust, but I, there are moments as this tension really gets going and those tie fighters are heading out where I really felt like I was robbed of something by not seeing it on the big screen. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I was, I was so, because for me, I, a lot of times I'll watch this in the morning or I'll watch this when I'm free, like in the, um, late morning, early afternoon, but a lot of times I don't get to see this um, on my largest TV. And it just so happened that it worked out um, for me today. And I had that sucker. I had, I was up like 10, 12 volume louder than it normally would be. I mean, it was, I mean, the, it's so funny because they, all the characters in universe talk about the eye. Mm-hmm. Martian row. Uh, Martian row. The eye. Stop, stop, stop you love you love the high republic um what's his actual name marka no i think it's marsha row marsha 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 anyway Ed, stop 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 the eye was really cool it was super it was um it 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 showed that it was easily believable that this is something that could get them as an escape that would be distracting. Um, and they do a great job. I mean, this is one of those things where there's parts of these episodes that you look at and you're like, why did this take three to four years to produce this show? And then you look at this and it's like, oh my good Lord, this is um, something that should have been seen on the big screen for sure. Something that should have been seen on the big screen. Yeah. Well, um, I don't really have a set schedule for this. This was so. This was directed by Susanna White. This was her third episode, mm-hmm. and then it was written by um, Dan Gilroy, who I guess he's writing all of them, or he's just given a set. Well, um, Tony Gilroy wrote the first batch, I believe. Okay. Um. So this is the the climax to this three episode arc. Yeah. And. It really, I mean, it goes into the the prelude to get into the base. We have um, the inclusion of family members again for, like, what reason? I, I mean, I guess there's a reason in this. Um, and then we have the heist itself and then the aftermath of the heist. That's kind of the three chunks that I'm kind of thinking about. Yeah, and it... <clears throat> I I feel like as soon as I was done watching this, if you asked me to give you a breakdown of what happened, I'd be like, yeah, there's some stuff in the beginning for like five minutes. And then there's this insane heist that goes on for like an hour. 
and then there's like a little bit at the end and then before i called you to do the chat i was kind of re-watching parts of it and i rewatched the bulk of the action there in the middle but i had it on mute and was just kind of doing chores around the house and stuff and i mean that that middle sequence the the meat of this heist is very quick but when i was watching it with the music and the camera work i mean it I felt like I was trapped in that moment in a very good way. I mean, it felt the tension of it. It's just like I wanted it was awesome, but I also like wanted it to be over for these characters or like I wanted them to get out or I wanted it to resolve. I mean, I was I was on the edge of my freaking seat. I mean, Pete, I'm gonna tell you right now, I you know I love Star Wars despite everything I say on the show, and I've enjoyed facets of everything that we've covered, and I love that batch, and I love the Mandalorian, yada yada. But I'm watching this episode, and this is the first time, and it's I don't know, it's a term that gets me to roll my eyes for sure. It's not something I put much stock in, but I'm watching this, and I'm thinking this is like the first piece of Star Wars television that I'm like, this is prestige television, like this is HBO Sunday night. Wow. Okay. I mean. There's it, it's it hits on so many levels. Yeah. And the weird thing the weird thing too is this. If I were to tell you um a character's name, you probably wouldn't be able to name it. Nope. So for example, the the Lego guy, um the Marxist right, little guy, boy. okay. Little little boy. Here's 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 um three names for you. Um oh, Marvel boy. Skeen, Tamron Barcona, Karis Nemec. He's Which the middle one. He's the middle one. I know the other two. Uh, skiing? No. Uh, t- Barcona or Nemec? I don't know his last name. His name is not Karis. His name is not Skeen. His name um, is Little Boy. Uh, little Boy. It, it actually is Karis. Karis Nemec. What? But, yeah. So the Little Boy is Karis Nemec. Skeen is, is the... Karis was a woman. No, that's Cinta. Cinta and Vel. Uh, are they Cinta both spelled Cass. with a C? Um, no. I mean, wow, okay, I mean, great. I I, yeah, I can't. I'm going I back can't. to calling everyone Carnage. <laughs> but um, that doesn't speak to, like, you have an emotional connection to a lot of these characters. Right. Um, now, like, the Stormtrooper, Tamron Barcona, he'd probably be the lower end of that. And that's not due to the performance that he did whatsoever um like they do a a really good subtle job similar to what they did in the previous episode where skiing you know explains hey my brother was killed which you know we find out later uh (laughs) is not actually the case Mm -hmm. um but tamarin's a former stormtrooper we know what stormtroopers do so we know why he's down for the cause and why he's he's the commander um getting them through um but that just, I, I don't know if that speaks to just how good this episode was, that the names of those characters don't particularly matter, because we've, we've been with these characters for about, you know, over 40 minutes. Um, oh, for in, sure. In some, in some way or another. And um, certain characters um, had emotional ends that were satisfying or deeply upsetting yeah and then certain characters just were like shot and then you were like wait are they dead or not and they never turned back to even look yeah 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so this let, let's start from the beginning so it's interesting cassian has no idea what the plan is and 
the plan's really good. It's it it. I'm not like, what, convinced that that's true, but please continue. Um. So I all right. I'll let, let me backtrack because obviously the plan blows up and does you know. And I guess I'm trying out. to figure out what happened that it blew up because half of the plan seems to be put a box on the radio so it doesn't work except for one spot that it does work where they have to check in but then Mm -hmm. nothing in particular seems to happen to that box but something does get through of their private communication oh the that officer is changing frequencies and then happens mm. to intercept mm. that fre- mm. frequency. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Gotcha. Because they're they're adjusting that in the beginning, like, move it up three. And then Cassian's right, 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 like, right. what's going on? What's going on? I was told three episodes ago, don't to have any form of communication or you'll get tracked. And they're like, shut up, Cassian. Or sorry, sh- shut up, uh, which then Which then does, again, kind of bring up, like, so the plan was shut down the communication, assume that there is no troubleshooting procedure whatsoever. But you yeah. do have to wonder if this radio tech guy is like another carnage who's like, you're supposed to kick your feet up on the desk and do nothing and not have ambition. Quit having ambition. That ruins things for everyone. But he's like a go-getter. Like um, Angelica with taking the pills back at ISB and the guy carnage. Well, this 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 episode is really well written because it also shows that this wasn't a perfectly laid out pl- plan. You know, Cassian was making those points because at at one point during the heist, you see um, what's his name, um, the Gorn. Oh my gosh, he doesn't even have yeah. a first. You know, he's just his name is just Lieutenant Gorn. Um, he's like walking down favorite this character path. of mine. He's walking down this path, and you're like, oh, he's gonna lock everybody in, or he's gonna do. Something is like, nope, he was just like casually walking to the scene of the crime. Um, There's no like rhyme or reason for why he was doing this other than to oversee it. And then I I didn't even see why he didn't make it onto the ship. Um, He got shot. No, 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 no. Oh, you you see him get shot? He's like, he gets shot immediately. Yeah. Because, okay, here's. Here's my thing is I mentioned I rewatched it before calling you because I there was some geography of it that I didn't understand because Gorn and Tamron both get taken out very kind of quickly. And it's not it. Well, it's not. I guess I'm trained through the language of cinema. Like if someone's shot and a long shot, there's like a follow up close up of them dead. Or like a, I don't like they were both reaction. Yeah, and like they were both of those characters were shot, but they're not like definitive. Like they didn't blow up, or there was it didn't feel definitive. So I was like, oh, is someone going to go get them? Are they wounded or whatever? And then also, little boy is crouched up against money, and I spent the whole time thinking he was in the vault, but he's behind the money in the ship. So I, I, and again, this is I mean, it's very frenetic. I mean, again, the camera work in this episode. I know we'll try and look up the cinematographer before we're done tonight to to give them credit where credit is due. I I it was fantastic, but it was also like very frenetic and very intense. And I think they sacrificed maybe a little bit of clarity, but I think what they got out of it was 
I don't know, a real sense of, of being in the thick of it. And so I, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking the episode for me not being able to track it because I, I appreciate the style that gave me trouble tracking or if that makes sense. Um, but I did need to like rewatch and kind of figure out the geography of everything. Yeah. I mean, I definitely saw um, little buddy, uh, little guy, little boy, yeah, little boy, um, little, little boy, Karis Nemec, uh in the ship the whole time because he was doing the configurations and then right. at certain points he's helping move the money um, which he's getting a surprise amount of cooperation from everybody like only one of those stormtroopers uh, one of those soldiers actually tries to take out Cassian which is um, somewhat surprising to me but yeah but again, I, I, not, not a lot of go-getters in the Empire I feel like you get Carnage you get this tech guy but I feel like you know, at this point, I mean, the the Empire is complacent. That's sort of the whole thing that, you know, Cassian is telling Little Boy in the beginning is they don't have to learn. They don't care about you at all. Like, they're just, they're so powerful that they don't have to worry about, you know, sacrifice or doing anything dangerous or whatever. So I imagine when a guy shows up and is waving a gun in your head, your average stormtrooper is like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. I mean, And this is complete head cannon in my head. But also, we know that Gorn set the schedule, right? So he yep, also could have set... an excellent scene from last week. And so we also could know, we could surmise, again, not super confirmed, but that he put the best troops at the eye. And Great then point. he has kind of the people that he knows that he, they can take um, in that group so that he feels, le- he feels less bad about... Um, yeah. And then door. here's talking head cannon. Let's talk about the people he stations near the eye because in on top of all this chaos and all this violence and all this strife going on, we do keep cutting back to the indigenous folks. There's ritual surrounding the eye. And then towards the end, we get a shot of just all the locals there and the Imperial folks there staring up in wonder and sharing this moment together, which was, I thought, a pretty profound quick little scene there and it you know because and then i'm wondering oh wow how many of those imperial you know is that going to have an effect on one of these imperial people and then you realize oh it did and i can very like that was probably gorn at one of these he was probably Mm -hmm. in those exact shoes and he was stationed there at the eye and he was with the indigenous people and he was watching this thing happen and he felt the sense of i don't know shared life or you know whatever you want to call it because you can't say humanity at star wars because who knows but and it, i don't know i thought that was i thought that was very beautiful and very profound well let's talk about the colonialism of the episode so and the director Colonel... of photography is called frank lamb real quick shout out to him great job yeah he was great so we have um our colonizer colonel start talk about building an airfield yeah the game of thrones boys and i say this not because they were in game of thrones but because whenever they were talking i felt like i was watching an episode of game of thrones particularly in that scene with this colonel trying on his belt and his belt's too small and then he's telling his wife and kid they have to behave at their fancy dinner for all the fancy people and i was just like what am i watching what is this freaking freaking westeros and they also care about smelling way too much like it's, it's probably not that bad. Also, well, it, that's just... I have it on pretty good authority 
Uh, you know how um, with Marvel stuff on Disney Plus now, they'll release it in IMAX enhanced when they go to Disney Plus for streaming. So, like, you can watch Thor, Love and Thunder, and IMAX enhanced and stuff. And it's like a different version of the same movie. And I have it on pretty good authority that Disney Plus is actually going to introduce um, Smell of Vision enhanced. And that that scene is going to be kind of retroactively technically updated as is very historical star Wars movies are kind of constantly being revisited and updated as technology evolves, uh, to be smell a vision. Interesting. Yeah. And, um, I mean, not a lot of people ask for it, but it's what we all deserve. Yeah. Now I actually, yeah, we're a rotten lot. I actually, um, got the names wrong. So the Colonel was that engineer, um, the one that gets shot, and then the old guy—he's the commandant. Mm. So he—he he was not—he was not the colonel. And then um, his two kit because it's um, his last name is Behaz, and then there's two other Behaz um, characters that are listed on here. Uh, Behaz, yeah, I mean, I, I, um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you could say that, but um, I mean, it just shows the the planning that went into it that um the aldahani were just like chess pieces to these people they they don't view them as actual people what or, or you know intelligent beings they they view them as cattle and they talk about them in such a way which if that really because it's like that yeah well i guess they won't work out of them eventually they do intend to like make them work but i was gonna say because i mean they don't even talk to, about them like they're a resource Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is. Um, I mean, just re- it 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 does a good job of reinforcing why Gordon's doing this. Mm-hmm. Of you know, he, he fell in love with these people. He knows their language enough. Yeah, and he, you know, the Aldahani know him enough too. Um, like that one scene where he's translating so that he can move it along. Yeah, I thought was a, a great part of that. Definitely. Um, which is really the best part of it. Like. The, the the Aldahani ritual stuff, I um, it was. I mean, it was. You had to show it. I I didn't. I don't really have a comment past that of them all dancing. Um, I don't. I didn't either. But I do think again, like it culminating in that scene where they're all kind of watching the storm together, and it being intercut with the stress and the chaos of the heist. I think it was ultimately pretty effective. Yeah, for sure. And now um, they have space AK-47s. Now we should touch on that. They well, they also have spa- they have space AK-47s, and they also have space like um, these long shotguns that can yeah like, have some range. Which I to think them. is Dengar's gun. Oh, okay. I Interesting. Think. Interesting. So I've seen like you can in Battlefront they have that gun. This gun yeah. Vel has that is. Just an AK forty seven. I have not seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, in this episode too, they they do such a good job. Tag of the clones. Yes, in this episode they do such a good job of putting nuances on the characters. So, like when Vel is having that moment, right? She puts the tracker on and then she books it down the bridge. And mm-hmm. somehow doesn't get caught. Um, well, the, she has a tactical you know, scuba suit on, so 
yeah, she has her tactical scoop suit on and then changes into her um, rebel rebel garb. But just the 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 moment where she's like having not like a panic attack, but like, you know, am I going to do this? Am I going to do this? Can right. we do this? Can we do this? Yeah. It just enhanced everything so much because at certain points um, there's a conflict there too, right? I'm like skipping ahead to when Skeen and, and Vel are, you know, arguing about where to take little boy. Um, that's completely contradictory to this whole thing almost got called off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, and I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he, not, nothing but props for, I believe the actor's name is Faye Marseille who plays Vel. I mean, even, even before, I had seen the whole episode. Like as that moment is unfolding, even I feel like you can feel she wants to do this, obviously. And there's I don't have any doubt of her commitment, but it's like she's the one that turns on the green light. So in that moment, it's like whatever happens, win or lose, whoever dies, you start that now. And it's on you. And you go thumbs up and this all happens. And you really, yeah, her performance was was fantastic in that moment. A great, yeah, okay. like, little, not a little scene, but, like, it wasn't, it wasn't, like, loud. It was very, like I said, I mean, it was nuanced. It was quiet. It was, yeah, great scene. Well, and it's, I mean, they also show, they also, like, show without, you know, saying it out loud. That right. Cinta and Vel are a couple that, um, you know, they're a lesbian couple. They don't, like, go the further extent of I love you or having them kiss or anything but they're normalizing relationships yeah. and you know some people might say that they want less of that but it's just like how how less of that could you possibly have um, and they're not even saying anything about it too like um, they're just uh, talking about lived experiences in lived experiences there are LGBTQ couples and um they they move on from there which is you know uh something that was really cool um yeah and also enhanced kind of the conflict that vel was going through as the heist was right. you know le- leaving of mm-hmm. um is Cinta gonna actually make it or not you know do you think Cinta's gonna run for it was Cinta supposed to be there and um her her exit was perfect um, I don't know if they're going to show more of that, like if they're going to catch her or not. Right. Um, I hope not. That would that'd be perfect if um, she just somehow is stuck on um, Aldahani and then somehow gets off. Yeah, I'm very curious. I mean, because again, this is sort of the close of a second arc or like if, you know, a second movie essentially of the show. And I'm like, oh, do we see these characters again or are they sort of one and done? I mean, it's Star Wars, so virtually no one is, is one and done for character appearances, but it does make me curious about, you know, are we going to see any of his buddies from back on, uh, you know, planet carnage or whatever? Who knows? I mean, we have to, right? It's star Wars, but yeah, it's uh it's star Wars. So you definitely, um, think that you're going to have to see that at some point. Um, well, so, Let's talk about the let's talk about the aftermath. Um, we we see the aftermath from the nerd the nerd center where everybody's finding out. We see right. the aftermath from 
the Senate, which I thought was really cool, of Mon Mothma giving that speech that nobody cares about um, to help out the poor people that um, are going to starve. And then everybody is just like looking at their phones to see yeah. what, what information's out there. And then we see it from um, Luthen and um, seeing it from the store. I want to talk about the store one um, because when Luthen learns about it from a customer right mm-hmm. like oh like aldahani he thinks for a second that he's been found like right that's a, that's and i expected it to be carnage or something in there yeah but i think it's i think it's so interesting that they they did that um because that guy is like hey do you have anything from aldahani which is so what somebody in the u.s would do like as soon yeah. as the Ukraine war happened, yeah. is there anything Ukrainian that I can buy? Is there anything, you know, that I can do um, altruistically or, you know, not so much to just kind of flex and um, have the latest, greatest, the newest thing? Right. And that's such a not relatable thing, but that's something that happens. Um, and it has never kind of been isolated that it would happen in Star Wars, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed that scene, especially when Luthen goes in the back and just starts dancing. Um, uh, yeah, as being like and the it was so weird that he did Tom Cruise's dance routine from Tropic Thunder. Like, that's going to catch <laughs> up with them. People are going to put that together. Maybe. I think it's, yeah. They're, tr- they're going to be in trouble. Well, you know, I mean, you know what happens to Mom Mothma. You do not know what happens to Luthen. Um, so there is I also, think the- I know what happens to Mon Mothma. <laughs> um, we'll talk after the, <laughs> yeah. Um, we, the, off, off pod, off pod, yeah, off pod. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought all of that was really cool. Um, and kind of this being a recognize, uh, recognizing, um, from the ISB that, um, all hands on deck for this of realizing what's happening um i saw something on social media somebody posted um that they're surprised that this news got out like you'd think that the empire would want to just hide this news from everybody but that's a very good point but um to cassian's point like he says in the in the beginning part of the episode when he's talking to karis nemec a little boy um and cassian says to karis the empire doesn't care about you. You're nothing right. to them. And that's so also a this, good point. So this really is nothing like losing 80 million credits. Right. Um, I guess just a, a drop in the, I mean, they, they didn't get anywhere near that vault of money. Right. So they probably got maybe like a fourth. If yeah. that of the money in that vault. Um, it is interesting to see that credit <laughs> credits are a physical thing. Um, and not just like yeah. a virtual, virtual currency. As well, um, yeah, they don't, they don't have NFTs yet. Yeah, it's a long, long NFT time ago. NFT wing yeah. is that a thing? Is that something? Um, is there? There's not an NFT wing. An NFT wing. Is that something? We can't. We should stop talking about before Elon Musk takes our idea and makes something out of it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I, I, the aftermath stuff was um, was interesting. Um, let, let's let's talk about the so we we've talked about the heist. Um, 
let's let's talk about what happens to some of the characters. So there's the ship going off, which that thing was moving a lot faster than I had been led to believe. And I, yeah, I really anticipated that it was going to be a major hiccup getting it to go. Mm-hmm. Like, because they have that whole discussion last episode where they're like, how do you get it off of the hitch or yada yada? Who knows? And he's setting them straight. But I mean, yeah, when they decide to leave, they leave. <laughs> Which I, it also, I mean, he, he hit the throttle, right? Yeah. So, um, the whatever dampeners thing that they would normally have um, were not in place, which is, you know, what happens to poor Karis, um, which is just such a terrible way to go out. Yeah. Yeah. Really uh, upsetting and brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And also how Vel drugs him so mm-hmm. that he can complete his task long enough for them to get out of there. Also, like super super brutal which it makes it very seem like brutal she... but i believe that's what that like that character i believe that's what little boy would have wanted oh for sure also yeah. like i don't think she was taking advantage or whatever. i mean it's hard you know hard to watch and hard to think about going through that but yeah yeah um this doctor though and i'm up to this scene now as i have it on in the background on silent this this four-armed Moscanada uh, Lobot Do- monster. <laughs> well, I thought he oh, was, sure was an very lovely. I thought he was an uh, Ardenian, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have the forearms. eye. Well, no, I don't think he is. I think he's just a guy with four arms. Um, yeah, because he has the same look as Moscanada, right? He's, he's got the glasses, bit... basically. Um, and and, and the he skin. old. Yeah, and he's old. So. Um, it also is like, is Maz, does she, is she supposed to have four limbs? Like what's, what's all, what's all of this, um, mean? Um, yeah, what's all this I thought, uh, I know that we had, I, I had complained about the lack of aliens and, uh, I was, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's funny how little screen time I need to be completely satisfied of having that. That like, scratch the alien itch for you, huh? Well, that it just it was so lived in, like mm-hmm. it. I mean, uh, it was all of the special effects were just um, absolutely insane. It's like it wasn't. It, he was doing stuff on the guy's back, didn't end up working out. <laughs> I definitely my uh, my wife, Ms. Colombo, does do surgery, and I do a podcast, so we're about even. Yeah, but I, I I saw a little glint in her eye when she saw those forearms operating, and I saw her. I saw those wheels rolling. Of oh, if only I had forearms. <laughs> if only I had forearms. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell. Um, I can get I can get two more dogs. Um, but okay. while this is unfolding, of course, we get this scene with um. Sheev Palpatine. Sheev, this is this fellow's name. Sheev um, and Cassian. Skeen. Skeen. Of course, Skeen. Yeah. Uh, and he, who, a, that actor's he, name is Ebon Moss Bachrock. Yeah, he was he, in The Punisher. He, yeah, he was in The Punisher. That's that's micro. Um, that's that's the that's the one that I recognized him in. Um, but I'm watching but, this again and. As su- in hindsight, as soon as he goes into that bolt and lays eyes on that money, you can see it on his face. You can see the rest of his story in this episode playing out on his face. 
Yeah, and, well, you know, also... the first time you watch it, it reads like adrenaline, like, all right, let's get the show on the road, let's do that. But you watch it again, and it's he sees the money, and he, you can see it on him. Yeah, and he also, I mean, he pegs Cassian wrong. Um, yeah. 40 million for you, 40 million for me, which, I mean, Cassian makes the right move 100%. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I think Ms. Columbo was a little surprised by that. But to me, I'm like, there's no way Sheev doesn't have a gun here that he's ready to. Like, this, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I think, yeah, I uh, I think that he would have killed Cassian for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, he I, says he, he needs fly. him to fly the ship. Mm hmm. So maybe there's some truth. There's probably some truth to that, but there's no, yeah, that dude's taking all 80 for sure. Yeah. And it's, I mean, they did such a good job of turning that of like, this guy was a rebel by convenience. Um, well, and, and a rebel did... against everyone. I mean, like he says, it sounds kind of corny or like chest thumping of like it's me versus everyone else. But then that to me, in that line, as some of the best Star Wars does, one line of dialogue just sends your imagination reeling through a thousand different stories of like when Luthen is recruiting for stuff like this. There well, is not recruiting. Very... He didn't. He didn't recruit. So that's all. We available. gotta let me finish the sentence, and oh, then sorry. Yeah. <laughs> when Luthen is out there like recruiting for stuff like this, when he comes across a potential a potential Cassian or whatever, when anyone is recruiting for the rebellion. You have to figure they have to have like this sixth sense for wild cards like that who aren't actually like who have the passion of a rebel, but who aren't there, you know, rebel at all costs, you know, who are very much like I'm rebelling for my own sake. I'm rebelling against everything. I believe in nothing. I'm a nihilist, Donnie, etc. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was, a, that was a intense scene for sure. Yeah, I um. And, and the dialogue with Cassie and Vel after the fact, too. So we don't, we don't know what yeah. com- comes about from that. I mean, mm-hmm. I assume that Cassian is going to... I guess he wanted to take the Doctor's ship for 30000 or something. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a ship on the on the side, which I, I didn't really see it all that well. But I which that was gonna, his whole cut, right? His whole cut was... Was 30000 or... Three hundred, I thought. Was I was it okay. I wasn't. I was trying to. I was trying to figure out if he was offering his whole cut just to escape and survive, or just part of his cut. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, that's a tough spot to be in if you're him, and you did just end up killing, uh, Splinter. Splinter. Um, I mean, where I, I wouldn't. On the one hand, I'm like walking in with a gun pointing at Vel was not the right call. But then I'm like, is there a world where Vel believes him? No matter how reasonably he lays out the argument. And we, yeah. I mean, Cassian has proven he's a survivor if nothing else. So, I mean, I, I can't really knock him for going about well, it that way. Well, and he gives back the Sky Kyber, too. Yeah, this is true. Which I think is kind of an olive branch to Vel. Um, and you know maybe Vel had point. some trepidation because Skeen also like was disobeying her left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like the logical conclusion to this episode is Cassian makes it back to Fest, Ferris, whatever, and he, as far as he knows, only Corsac was there. So when he finds out a hotel of Imperials are there, 
doing searches and stuff, he is not going to be a happy camper. But I, I, I think he's going. He's coming into a storm um, if he logically tries to return back home. Yeah, I mean, I think no matter where he goes, that's what he's in for. And I, I mean, you saying that, that does sound like a pretty decent prediction. When this episode wrapped up, I was, I really didn't have a, a particular prediction of where next week's uh, would lead us. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, here's another thing I wanted to touch on that I, it particularly stood out to me is we have the commandant and that engineer or commander or whatever his rank is talking about the local population and basically being horrible human beings. And then at the end of that whole, whole discourse, they have this like, Oh, but it'll be splendid. And it'll be such a lovely thing to watch and yada, yada. And it does, you get, you get like micro versions of this sensation when it's like, I don't know, someone you don't like, likes the same thing as you or something. But I just was, I'm watching this and I'm just like, what could these two utter goons possibly get out of this beautiful display? Like, what does someone like that think when they see or experience something that is supposed to be profound and beautiful? Do they just shut down? Are they just blank and they just stare at it and they just mimic everyone around them? Are they like, do they feel it the same as we do? I don't know. Well, I I feel, and this is more of an eat the rich take, but I feel like it's the equivalent of, you know, there's those people that viewing the Northern Lights, their Roar Borealis is like such a eye-opening experience. And Mm -hmm. then there's those people that can afford those fancy hotels and they have a guide and they can see it at the, you know, the most pristine area. And then there's, I mean, it's, it's a natural phenomenon. So everybody can um, see it, but for them, it's more of like a status thing of, you know, this is something that you special, you don't get, um, you can tell other people uh, you're not going to, other people aren't going to be able to see this. It's truly a spectacle to be seen. Um, so the kernel... And I mean, who am I to talk? How much have I paid to meet people at Star Wars Celebration or whatever? It's the same freaking thing. I'm a goon too, I guess. But, you know, it was, uh, I don't know, it was a scene that got me thinking for sure. What did you think about the colonel trying to save the Commandant's son? Uh, you know, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, I, I thought that was a little interesting of like, the, his m- main priority was get your gun away from that kid's head. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was um, not the typical. Well, I guess, but he was still. They were both so like flabbergasted that there'd be any rebels that would be trying to do something. So he yeah. wasn't like th- thinking clearly. But it was a. Um, it was an interaction that I was not expecting. Well, and it also maybe maybe speaks to people who perpetuate evil that doesn't necessarily occur right in front of their face. Like this guy is part of a massive machine that is perpetuating evil on such a massive scale that it would be incomprehensible maybe to one person to take in the, the evil being perpetuated. But then you see like an injustice happen right in front of your face. And that's like, Oh, that's a no go. I mean, what I do, I don't know. You know, I push a button, yada, 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 but this, this is a no go. You're the bad guy. And I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're being uh, pretty extreme here. They're just some extreme rebels. So, mm. and then is it Cinta or Vel that kills him? 
Because Cassian doesn't kill him. He does try to shoot. I think it's Cinta. Yeah, Cinta coming down the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you have anything else on this bad boy? No. um, I mean, I am. I've got some stuff real quick. Okay, go ahead. Which is, uh, historically, these, and this is a bit of a segment, I guess. These Disney Plus shows, they give us episode descriptions that are incredibly vague. So as not to spoil anything. Um, This week's episode description was, with cover from a spectacular local festival, the Aldani mission reaches a point of no return. Which honestly, that's more information than I feel like we normally get. Last week was Cassie must carefully navigate the distrust inherent in being the new member of a secret operation. So I'm with these sort of vague um, descriptions in mind and with Disney clearly not wanting to give too much away with the episode descriptions. I have a few ideas that they can use for episode (laughs) descriptions that are evergreen um i know comedy works in threes but i have five so they're just not gonna be funny i guess first one cassian is back exclamation point (laughs) any episode you could probably use that for um if you're looking to get a little more specific cassian deals with the stuff from last week i'm thinking that would be perfect for next week's episode uh similarly next week's episode after the big thing from before, Cassian verbs a noun. Awesome. Not wrong. Can always use it. Um, here we go. Cassian is at it again. Evergreen. Any one of these episodes you could use that for. Not giving away a thing. And then here we go. This one, you don't necessarily want to burn this one on just any episode. Special occasion. Special occasion. It's- this is more a season, or dare I even say, series finale. Oh, wow. I and mean, honestly, this could probably be the description for Rogue One. Um, Cassian finds himself in the middle of another classic, or should we say, Cassic adventure, <laughs> or should we say, Advent at and and Ventor? That's really good. Cassic and Ventor. And then this is just a whole separate um, thing that I have the end that segment. And then I also have a new segment, and this is a, a new impression I do of a character. Uh, and this is a person who uh, hears the name Cassian Andor and doesn't know if that's one full name or two first names. Um, are you tracking that, Pete? This is, yes. Again, this is a person, they hear the name Cassian Andor. They're unsure if that is first name, last name, or two first names. And just let me get into character real quick. <clears throat> Start scene. Cassian and Andor or Cassian Andor? End scene. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Um, I was going to add to your segment. Oh, the episode um, segment? Yeah, the episode segment. Yeah, let's reopen that, that segment. You, you could easily have one that's don't, don't touch Cassian's stuff ever. <laughs> don't touch his stuff. Don't you ever touch his stuff. I mean, this episode, he gives his stuff to somebody else. Yeah, I guess it's not his crystal, but um, but he's he's very particular about people touching his stuff. Cassian's Uh feeling some kind of way. (laughs) Cassian doesn't know what to do. 
Cassian Smash Man. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have an extra one to do. Um, I don't know. I checked the email. We don't have any. Podcast at gmail.com. See you next week.